Support for The Bittersweet Life comes from listeners, people who love the show enough to donate at our website, thebittersweetlife.net, or through Patreon at patreon.com slash thebittersweetlifepodcast. Support also comes from Italy Beyond the Obvious, offering travel consulting and planning services for your next Italian vacation. ItalyBeyondTheObvious.com And if you run a business, a podcast, or any other kind of artistic endeavor, and you want a shout-out from us on our show, support us on Patreon at the $50 a month level. If you've never heard this show before, glad you found us. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm a longtime public radio producer and host who five years ago stepped off the path, quit my job, and moved to Rome. That was very out of character for me. But that's where this show begins, and where we begin exploring what happens when you take a risk. What happens when you decide to begin again? Or what happens when you move abroad, or even just away? Together we hope to discover what possibilities life is still offering us. My co-host is Tiffany Parks. She's a writer and an expat living in Rome for the last decade. She dreamed of moving to Rome, and so she went. No real plan other than to try. We're childhood friends, too. We met on the school bus in the sixth grade. Don't be afraid to start way back at the beginning of the show. That's when we're on the streets of Rome. And subscribe and join us today, too. We'll keep you in good company. And you might just change your life. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. Tiffany is away this week, but I'm joined by two guests, Sherry Salata and Nancy Halla. They are lifelong friends and the chief visionaries at The Pillar Life and co-hosts of the popular podcast, The Sherry and Nancy Show. We gathered together in Seattle today to discuss Sherry's new book, The Beautiful No, and other tales of trial, transcendence, and transformation. Sherry spent 20 years working with Oprah Winfrey, including five years as the executive producer of The Oprah Winfrey Show, producing the final years of that program. And she also served as the co-president of Harpo Studios and The Own Network. And now you two are working together. Nancy, what were you doing before you decided to work with Sherry over here? I was a brand strategist, and still am, and a brand consultant for advertising agencies. Great. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks so much for coming in, both of you. I appreciate it. Yay! Yay. We're excited to have... We're in a big-time studio now. I know. It's fancy, and it, I dig it. I, I want this for our podcast, I Sherry. Know, it's very fancy. Yes. Yes. We're recording this at my old studio, which it's is great. It's really nice. Um, okay. So, I figured I'd have you read those two paragraphs at the very start of your book to set the stage for this conversation, and then we'll... We'll go from there. All right. Get ready. So here is my story. It's about how a regular middle-class girl from Waukegan, Illinois, grows up to run one of the most beloved brands on the planet and one of the most successful television shows in history. And then, after all that, after all that dreamy on-the-jobness, finally figures out how to live the life of her dreams. Like any good story, it begins with a quest. At 56 years old, I found myself ready and willing to rewrite almost every single story of my life, and it will be until the end of my days a work in progress. But that intent and focus has taken my life in a wondrous new direction. Here is an offering you may find helpful. 
It's never too late to make the rest of your dreams come true. And if not now, when? It's a good place to start. How did you come to that realization? Where oh, well, here Nancy, <laughs> Nancy and I were literally downing maybe our third bottle of Chardonnay in my backyard. Yep, poolside, 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 and and looking at each other and taking stock. I think of our own lives and each other's lives. Yes, we were, and it was you know we had had different experiences, different. You know, we've been in, we've been great friends for thirty years, mm-hmm. so we've seen each other through. Divorce and puppies and kids and job changes and mm-hmm. heartaches and betrayals and disappointments. And I think it was that moment. I'm a few years older than you. Yeah. But we're in our 50s. Yeah. And it's kind of like, okay, is that all there is, Nance? Is that all there is, my Pour friend? me another one. I know. And, you know, the thing about our conversation always for the last three decades is that it's always supercharged with like dreaminess and hopes and and what's next and what's next but there does come a point when you look at each other and say now is next now is like next. we are living our next like yeah. this is our chapter two here we were both in LA we're both from Chicago mm-hmm. we moved out into I, I moved out to LA and then shortly thereafter Sherry moved out both for our jobs and you know there we were and saying okay well we're in the land of dreamy dreams in LA I mean it felt like everybody had their own startup right Sherry it felt like everybody was doing something super yeah, creative yeah that's for sure so it was like that air of yes out there we got and also we got that charged. taking stock is almost like like for me I had one thing that I'd really manifested super duper well yeah and everything else was kind of limp and dead and that was the question do we believe it's never too late to live the life of your dreams and the answer was, yes, indeed. It's never too late. It's never too late. It's never too late. Yeah, it's never. And if too not late. now, when was kind of our mm-hmm. note to each other, like, get on this. And then we really had to unpack what was this. You know, I feel like we've each had a front row seat to each other's lives, right? So all the ups and downs and all the all the victories and defeats. And it's like, well, instead of just looking at it as a great big ball of it's never too late to make your dreams come true. Let's start really unpacking that. Like, what do we mean by that? Yeah. And that's how we came up with our ideas for the pillars. We started with five and then it grew to seven and now we have eight. It's like these are really the areas of our life where we need to ramp up and get supercharged and get really happy. So give people an example of what some of those categories would be in case they're trying to figure out where they start. Well, the very first one was health and wellness for both of us. Yes. Sherry calls it the reckoning. Yeah. The reckoning moment of saying, okay, unless you're comfortable in your body and in your skin, really nothing else is going gonna, is gonna to come to fruition. Yeah. And so it's really a, a life guidance system. So health and wellness, spirituality and happiness, romance and sex, friends and family, and on and on and on, because we're both gals who can go unconscious and get off track really fast. Mm-hmm all juiced up at the beginning and then it's like hmm so we we needed a way <laughs> like that gym membership is just sitting yeah. in my bottom drawer and that's i'm never right. there that's yeah right. and 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 you know and, and we gave each other a lot of support and a lot of like yeah you can do it you can do it but then you're right then then life steps in and gets in the way and and then you realize you wake up a, a, a year later or 10 years later and you haven't done those things you've been talking about right and at what point do you realize are these things actually important to me or are they not a lot of our listeners want to take a big risk and move overseas or they want to start a creative thing, but it's right. like writing. It's You want to write, but it's so hard to start or it's so hard to keep going. Right. Uh, so yeah. how do you get pushed past the pain of any of these categories? I mean, I think when I look back on the last three years of my life, and I think the same is true of you, Nancy, the key word here is begin. 
Mm. And even if it's small, like I, I used to just, dis- I used to think unless I did the big drastic thing, it was, you know, otherwise it's a waste of time. But now what I see so clearly is drink a glass of water, take a walk after dinner. Mm-hmm. Like those, those little, little teeny weeny daily choices are what changes everything. And the same would be true about those drastic things. This is so interesting. I didn't tell you this, Nance. I met this woman yesterday who was at a a book signing event. And she's put off, her dream is, she's 57, her dream is to go to France and do an immersion language thing for a month. And she's canceled on herself four times. But she won't totally give it up. I get that. It feels too grand. Like, what are you doing? You're just going to go to France for a month. But yes, it's sometimes it's that kind of move, that kind of total commitment to self. It's not going to be about your four weeks in France, but something's going to happen to you there. Right. Something's going to get stirred. Yeah. It's like when we when we say to each other, the better it gets, the better it gets. Right. So that Mm -hmm. upward spiral. So each action you take, whether it's small, whether it's a glass of water and a walk after work. And I totally hear that because I am an all or nothing girl. (laughs) If I cannot be the best and be totally committed, then it's like, oh, forget it. That's not for me. That's not true. And the better it gets, the better it gets. So these little little incremental changes can can lead to something big. But also, yeah, taking that one splashy move. Like for us, it was like, let's start this media company. Let's let's start a podcast. Then doors just start opening up. Cooperative components are all of a sudden everywhere. So that woman who's going to spend four weeks in, in France, you're right. It's not just about the four know. weeks. Who knows who she's going to meet over there? I will tell you, she flew in from Phoenix. And I'm sitting there wondering, you flew into Phoenix to come to my book thing? Right. And then I thought, oh, that's why you're here. Because you need somebody to say to you, don't cancel again. Yeah. Don't cancel again. Something's going to happen there that's going to be big. Mm-hmm. There's also the, a question that a lot of people have asked us in listening to our show is, is it ever too late to follow this dream? And it just reminded me when you were writing in the book, when you realized that you're outside of the age demographic that advertisers are targeting. Yes. You, you've passed the 25 to 54. Yes. And those benchmarks where people say, well, I'm in the middle of my life. I can't start now, right, is a common thing. What would be your answer to that question? Well, that's the thing that we had to really define. And honestly, we are unpacking that every week on our podcast because we're middle of lifers. And we use the term middle of life rather than midlife because midlife has been ruined. It it sounds so old and dusty. So it's, (laughs) it's it's the middle of life in that you're still dreaming up your second half. The thing that you have to excavate and kind of transcend, dissolve, overcome, rewrite the story of, we're raised by our mothers and our grandmothers and our great grandmothers. And the younger 20-year-olds aren't going to have this quite so much. But for us, it's like we grew up in a culture that, you know, you hit 50, you're done. And now it's just, well, if you didn't get it done by then, if you didn't find that great love, if you didn't do that great creative project, you're done. And that's why we keep saying that there's a new story to be told. Mm -hmm. We're just not going to accept that as the status quo. Yeah. I want to jump to... You were working with Oprah, and after being there for, what, about 20 years, right? Yeah, almost 21. 21 Mm -hmm. years. You decide to quit. And one of the central themes on this show, this show began because I quit working at NPR and moved to Rome, which was well out of my character. I would have never done a thing like that before. That sounds crazy, Katie. (laughs) It felt crazy at the time. But, of course, great things come out of it. But 
What makes you decide to quit that job when it was obviously something that you enjoyed and had a, a good time doing? Totally time and no other choice. You know, when something comes to an end, it comes to an end. And that's why I was sitting in my backyard drinking three bottles of Chardonnay. It's like, okay, the rest of your life is not very good. You, you haven't had a great romance in decades. You're overweight and unhealthy. You haven't made the choices that I don't need any more information. I've met the greatest experts on the planet. But it's all on a list to do someday. And, you know, when are you going to make your happiness the North Star? You know, when when are we going to have the great big juicy lives that are super integrated and super dazzling that we know we can have? Mm-hmm. Well, and I like the word integrated. And it's not like it's not like you have to choose one or two things. You get to have all of the things. You know, that was, I think, the, the one of the, the best and most sparkly moments that we had in those in those backyard Chardonnay soaked conversations. It's like you don't have to just have a great job. You don't have to just have great children that you love. You know, you don't just have to have great friends. You can have all of those things and then some and you can have adventure and you can have the big romantic life and you can have a lot of creativity and innovation. We didn't want to just have one thing because I feel like in different ways, Cher and I both had sort of one note lives like I had two beautiful children that I raised single-handedly and you know and have great relationships with to this day accomplishment huge accomplishment and you know Sherry had this rock star professional life amazing accomplishment I mean I had a I had a total front row seat to that career and And two English bulldogs and two English bulldogs no easy task to take care of those and also a great family I mean you, you have the great so we had like we each had a few things you know but we didn't have the whole package. I want the whole package. Mm-hmm. And I just refuse to accept that I can't have it. Yeah, but it's interesting to come to the realization that the job is in the way of the rest of the package. Yeah. Well, because it, it gets so lopsided. And, and really what's going on there, could I have had a more integrated life with that big job? Yes, of yeah. course. You know, um, I, I'm often asked on this book tour, do you have any regrets? And I like burst into hilarity. Millions. I have millions <laughs> of regrets. Anybody who says I have no regrets, that's more of a metaphoric stance. Of course, with what you know now, you do a million things differently. You know, it would be like you're me- you'd start meditating when you're 15. You know, <laughs> yeah. you'd have your yoga practice. You know, when, yep. when by the time you're 18 and you'd have all those layered things that help you navigate a big high flying thing. But also it would have its place. There's no question that that big job was filling some sort of worthiness issue for me. Like it was validating me in a way that nothing external really can. At the end of the day, you must fill your own holes. That's right. for sure. Right. What are the things that I loved that you did in this book was you were talking about the question people ask, how do you maintain a good work-life balance? Yeah. And the way that you highlighted it was interesting because it's a thing that we ask that has sort of a negative cultural thing built into it in a way. Like you're supposed to have a work-life balance, otherwise you failed in some way. Well, you know, here's what's so interesting. I mean, I actually did. I didn't have a front row seat because I was at the studio 80 or 90 hours a week. But I watched Nancy have a really integrated life. She was a successful freelance business writer. And she did that so she could be a real mom and and single handedly raise her kids where they wouldn't feel her absence. And that looked really good to me. 
I thought she navigated that well. But the reason why in the book I write about I don't believe in work-life balance, I think that whole concept has just gotten so out of whack, it just makes us feel bad about ourselves. Yeah, that's exactly, I was just going to say the same thing. It's like one of those talking points that makes you Im- immediately feel like less shame. than. Shame, I feel shamed. I'm not doing that. I don't shame. do that well enough. And I think this was your little nugget of wisdom that you came up with once, Sherry. This You don't even like the word balance because, no. because it feels like you're out of balance and, and you have to activate that core. You got to get in balance. Like it's like effortful and you feel like you're always out of balance and you've got to practice yeah. and try to stay in balance, which I thought was a really interesting So you're notion. always in failure. So you're always in failure and shame. Well, yeah. it also implies that if you want to spend 90 hours a week at work, you're doing something wrong. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And that's what, I mean, gosh, you know... At 56 years old, to finally get that we have individual recipes for the lives of our dreams. My recipe is not the same as Nancy's, and it's not the same as yours. But here's where we can uplift and support one another is in creating that. Mm-hmm. And kind of discovering what that is and tweaking it, managing it. You know, this is, as far as we know, and maybe we get gazillions of lives. You know, maybe there's something quantum going on, but, you know, you get this one life to manage. And at a certain point, you've got to become the capital E expert of your life, the curator of your experience, Mm -hmm. instead of just being a boat on the ocean being bandied about by external things. Oh, my gosh. So true. Oh, my God. Preach, Sherry. <laughs> well, I, Listen, that is the truth. We say it in so many different ways. You're the CEO of your health. Our friend Chris Carr came up with that. Yep. She's a wonderful health and wellness expert. And you're the, the captain of your ship. And you're the capital E expert. I've heard you say that before, Cher. And I love it. And it's true. It's like every wave should not be able to knock you down on your butt. Just like every swell shouldn't be the only thing that lifts you up like it has to be be internal Mm -hmm. right yeah well another thing that you highlight in the book is that it's so easy for people to forget that their life is a story that they're writing themselves yeah do you have any idea why would you guess that that is it's so interesting isn't it well here okay so here's the sticky wicket of what we're talking about once you really really internalize it and once you come to a full commitment spiritual emotional agreement with it then you're freaking in charge. Yep. Then you're responsible. Mm-hmm. You can't really blame or finger point for anything that's going on in your life because you are the one creating it. So sometimes it's easier to stay unconscious and be like, you know, I wasn't born into money and I didn't have any of the breaks or advantages. And you can keep singing that same old story. The truth is, at some point, that sad story just creates a sad life. And and for, for many of us, that might be the absolute inspiration for us to say, whoa, I don't like feeling like this. I'm willing to make a change. You know what I think it is, too? I think it's about what you give your attention to. I think that most of us forget that we have all the power in that respect. You know, there are, there are many ways to look at life and you could say, well, this is the fact. This is a true hurdle I've run up against. You know, this is an obstacle. That is true. But if you don't look at it that way, or if you just simply turn your gaze towards something that is working, then that obstacle ceases to exist the minute you're not looking at it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you really train yourself to look at 
all the things that are great and positive and real and hopeful in your life, then that's the story you start telling. But it does take practice like anything, just like, you know, working out every day, you know, then you build that muscle. Like you've got to build that good storytelling muscle for yourself because it's super easy. I know it is for me to slip back into old stories and to slip back into like, well, you know, let me retell that. Sherry, I've got a story I want to retell you five times. Don't you feel bad for me? Let's tell that story. That's how we used to spend. That's how we used to spend our our time time together, Nance. I know. Who had the most outrageously bad week? Yes. Stomp around. We used to call it our stomp arounds. We'd have a big old stomp around about it, and now we still share about things that are going on, but but we limit it. We limit it, and then we turn our attention to the things that we want, and it really is is a way to exercise really powerful, good storytelling. Hello, I'm Tiffany, and I'm Katie. Breaking into the show really quick, so I can ask Katie a question. Yes. So as you know, Katie, we're challenging our listeners to help us reach a financial goal of $1,000 a month on Patreon. We are. And you know what, Tiffany, if everyone listening pitched in five, 10, even $20 a month, we would make that goal in a heartbeat. So my question for you is, why do we need $1,000 a month? Well, 600 to $700 of that is covering our monthly costs. That's web hosting fees, taxes, advertising, equipment charges, you know, the day-to-day expenses that keep a weekly show running. So what about the other 300? Well, I don't know if you've noticed, Tiffany, that we've been doing this show for over five years and haven't ever really been paid. Have you noticed? I have. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm hoping that the person listening to my voice right now will love the show enough to wish that their hosts got paid for making it too. So $150 a piece seems like a modest start, don't you think? I think it would be great. It would. So if you love the show, please support it and all the hard work and effort that goes into making it. Netflix can survive without you. We can't. So visit patreon.com slash the bittersweet life podcast and become a donating member of our community. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash the bittersweet life podcast. I'll put a link in the show notes. And now back to the show. People ask you the question, well, what do you like to do with your free time? Yeah. And the realization that it's all free time yeah. in a way. I mean, yeah. I, I think they're asking, what do you do outside of work? But but really, you're choosing to spend your time at work. Yeah. Isn't that so funny? I mean, again, those two questions, it was in the context I write about in the context of, you know, when you're running something like a a big hit show or something, you get asked to be on panels. And when the Q&A would come, I'd always get a little queasy because I'm like, they're going to ask me about work-life balance. They're going to ask me about what I do with my free time. And I had shame around that because it was very lopsided and it was all about work. So But yeah, that free time thing, here's what's freeing about really understanding how free you are. Because part of the story, when when we get stuck, part of the story is, but I don't have the money, but I don't have this, but I can't leave that terrible job where I'm miserable all the time. I can't, I can't, I can't. And we begin to tell ourselves these stories of quasi-enslavement as if that's true. And the truth is, none of us are in the gulag. We are nothing but free to make those choices and decisions about how we're going to spend our time. And, you know, even I'd go back and I'd test it against myself. Like even when I didn't have enough money to like I'd be in the grocery line going, I hope I hope I have enough cash with me, you know, or I couldn't make my Montgomery Ward's $19 TV payment. (laughs) I mean, I was free. I still was free. Once you embrace 
how free you are, how free we are, all of a sudden we tap into that limitless space. When we tell ourselves the story of imprisonment, that really isn't true. All of a sudden we're just like so shut down. Mm -hmm. Is that story because of fear? Yeah, I mean, I guess it is. I think we all have different reasons for telling ourselves certain stories. What Nancy was alluding to, which I think is super, super common, and I think it's very common with with women like mm, 40 to older, is there is a voice in our heads that is judgmental, that is destructive, that is cruel, that is a pick apart, and it's, why did you say that? That looks so, you look so bad in that. You know, that was, that was weird. That person doesn't like you. And it's going off in your head, unbeknownst to you, and is literally creating an energy field around you. And you can't figure out why you feel trapped or why you feel sad or why you feel like you aren't one of the lucky ones, but you're literally telling yourself that story on autopilot. Yeah, it's like it's it's a very female condition, I think, that that inner critic, that relentless, strident inner critic voice that will you know lambaste you, and it's it's the kind of thing that may, I used to come home from any kind of social event, any kind of party, and be like, oh my god, I hope I didn't say anything wrong to anybody. <laughs> oh god, what did I say tonight? And I have to like do a mental checklist. And I mean, I think there's something really interesting about getting to the middle of life and you start shedding that stuff. And, yeah. you know, it's like it, you, you sort of lose some of your um, inhibitions and you sort of start or, or what caring it. about what other people. Yes, think. that's what I mean. But the real opportunity, though, is what is that voice saying and why? And and, and and where does that voice come from? You know, and I think that women as girls were socialized to be, you know, super um, restrained and self-critical and careful about their actions in a way boys were not. Boys can run wild. Girls should sit pretty. Mm -hmm. And then I think that it's a very female story for women in the middle of their lives, as, as Sherry was talking about earlier, is that, you know, you reach 50, 55, and society basically is like, all right, sit down and shut up. We're, we're not interested in you. You don't have any spending power. Total myth. You don't have any freedom of movement also a myth but you know at a point where if you've raised children your children are out of the house if you've had a career maybe that's winding down and it's like okay well what's what's there for me this is exactly the opposite that men are told men you know have their quote-unquote midlife crisis and they buy a sports car and they go take a trip around the world and women are expected to do what so I think it's an interesting conversation to have with women that inner critic voice and also that middle-of-life opportunity voice and we're gonna leave it there for this week Next week, part two of this discussion with Oprah Winfrey's former executive producer, Sherry Salata, and her best friend and podcast co-host, Nancy Halla. Find them at thepillarlife.com. Sherry's book is called The Beautiful No. And next Monday, we'll find out what The Beautiful No actually is. A hint, it has to do with how Sherry ended up working side by side with Oprah for decades. And you can win a copy of the book. We have three up for grabs. Just follow us on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to enter. And don't think you can't win. Lots of people assume that and they don't try, which one, improves your odds dramatically, and two, means that you should try. So search for the Bittersweet Life podcast on social media. Follow us. Throw your hat in the ring to win one of these books it costs you absolutely nothing, not even the postage to get a package in the mail. 
And we do a book giveaway almost every single month. So we've had winners all along. So if you haven't been joining us, get on board. If you want a preview of the book, subscribe to the show and Sherry will read us a section on this Thursday's Bittersweet Moment. Until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. Talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks for all the ways you support us. Give us a good rating on iTunes. Subscribe to the show. And pledge your support at patreon.com slash thebittersweetlifepodcast. And for goodness sake, interact with us on social media. Just search for The Bittersweet Life Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Or send us an email at bittersweetlife at mail.com. That's bittersweetlife at M-A-I-L dot com. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, send us a letter there too. Our logo is by Jody Rick at the Lost Laboratory with help from our muse, Caravaggio. Talk to you next week. Bye.